Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. For this week's weekly insight, we are excited to share with you guys that Prevent Blindness has officially declared July as Dry Eye Awareness Month. There is about 16 million Americans that have dry eye, according to the National Eye Institute. That is a crazy number. I didn't realize it was that large, but as eye doctors, we see this frequently. And a lot of patients don't even realize that they have dry eye. They just think that their eyes are tired. And that's one of the big symptoms. Another big symptom is that your eyes actually tear which kind of sounds counterintuitive, but it's the body's way of making up for the dryness is they make these, these tears, but they aren't so great and they don't really stay in the eyes. So they just drip out. Uh, so if you are suffering from dryness, you are definitely not alone. Um, especially there are some high risk factors. Those include if you are older than 50, uh, if you are a woman, uh, especially older than 50, uh, if you have any uh, allergies or live in a dry climate, external factors such as like wearing contact lenses or certain medications, or if you've had some kind of refractive surgery often can lead to dryness as well. So dry eye is very, very common. And we are so happy that we are having this awareness around dry eye and kind of normalizing it to help people understand that there's things to do about dry eye. The great thing about dry eye is highly treatable. And you can uh, refer back to a previous episode that we did with Dr. Art Epstein, where we talked all about dry eye and all the treatment modalities that are out there and available. So really just want to drive home that if you are experiencing any symptoms that sound indicative of dry eye, make sure you seek out an eye exam. And then Prevent Blindness, who has announced that July is Dry Awareness Month, does have some resources available as well so that you can feel like you are not alone in your dry eye journey. Uh, so you can visit their website, preventblindness.org slash understanding dry eye. And they have a whole bunch of information about dry eye, downloadable fact sheets. And they also are promoting the use of the hashtag in your eyes when you're posting on social media. And you can follow all those out there that are also suffering from dry eye. So now for today's episode, we are going to be talking about convergence insufficiency and ADHD, because there is a lot of link and overlap between the two diagnoses, and it's really kind of a hot topic within the vision therapy realm. So we really wanted to highlight this area and kind of go through convergence insufficiency versus ADHD, what the differences are, the overlaps, how we can kind of tease out and detect what's really going on. And then there's actually a lot of studies that have been done really looking at the relationship between the two. So we thought this was a really interesting topic to discuss with you guys. Yes, I am actually very excited to speak about this because we get a lot of patients that come in that, you know, they are struggling in school. They've been recently diagnosed with ADD or ADHD and the parents are frustrated. They're trying some behavioral modifications or medicine with their child and there's just no improvement. And someone along the way has said, has you, have you ever gotten their eyes checked? And then it comes out that there's, there's a link there. So I'm excited to talk about this. So let's jump in. 
So first and foremost, what is a convergence insufficiency? We talked all about this last week, but let's talk about it again, right? A convergence insufficiency is when you have normal distance posture, meaning your eyes are aligned the way that they should, but at near, they have the tendency to want to drift out at a higher rate than average. They also often have a reduced near point of convergence where they can't point their eyes in very close. There is a break in fusion or one eye turns out or they see double. And their ability to compensate for that, that trend to turn out is just not there. So their visual system is fairly unstable at near. So some symptoms of convergence insufficiency are intermittent double vision, intermittent blurred vision. Sometimes the words or letters appear to run together, almost like a ghosting image. Uh, some patients describe it as dancing on the page, and they often show signs of decreased concentration and difficulty with memory, right? You can imagine if the words are jumping around on the page or going in and out of focus, how could you understand what you've read or pay attention to that? Uh, and that's really a big sign of convergence insufficiency is that avoidance because it's just, and avoidance sometimes looks like inattention, right? Like they just get up and walk away and they, and for kids specifically, they, they don't know how to convey what they're seeing because that's their visual world. So instead of, they don't really have the language to say, this is uncomfortable for me. So what do they do? They get up and make an excuse. I need water. I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, whatever the excuse is that kids are really great at making up, uh, that's how they deal with this discomfort at near. Right, so now let's talk a little bit about ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. This is one of the most common pediatric neurodevelopmental disorders, and it's really becoming highly prevalent. I just wanted to share some stats with you guys. So this uh, first stat is from 2017. This showed that in the U.S., lifetime prevalence of ADHD among children was on the rise with estimates of up to 11% of the population. That's a huge amount of kids when you think about it, right? And then in 2018, it was found that an estimated 6.1 million children between the ages of 2 to 17 years old had ever received a diagnosis of ADHD. Again, an astounding number of kids. So this is really affecting a lot of our children. So I think it's a really important disorder to talk about. Now. What exactly causes ADHD? They're still not really sure. There's a lot of research being done with, you know, to look into this disorder, but they have found that it seems to be related to lags in your prefrontal cortex growth and decreased production of dopamine, which is really important for attention, drive, and motivation, and norepinephrine, which essentially helps you create calm within your system. So it makes sense if you don't have enough of dopamine and norepinephrine in your system, you're going to show some symptoms of ADHD. Now, what exactly are the main symptoms of this disorder? Usually classically, it's defined by an ongoing pattern of inattention or hyperactivity. Uh, children or adults that avoid or dislike tasks, specifically tasks that really require that sustained mental effort. Uh, people often don't pay attention to details. So these are people that are kind of just like seeing the forest. They don't really see the trees. And again, really have a, a lot of difficulty sustaining attention and completing tasks. So this is where you can kind of see there's some overlap between the symptoms of convergence insufficiency and ADHD, because if you have a kid that's a little wiggly, having a hard time completing tasks, not paying attention, you know, for, and from our perspective, we have to kind of tease out, is there something visual going on that's impacting that performance with the task? And that's why they don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable or they're seeing double while they're doing it, or is it more of this ADHD piece? Right. So 
the big question is, is why are we talking about them in conjunction, right? We know that they have similar symptoms, right? And it's sort of like, okay, where is the correlation between the two? And the correlation really came, and the correlation really was understood after this study that was published in 2005. Uh, it was a study out of the University of California, San Diego, that did a retrospective review of about 260 patients. And basically what they were looking for were, okay, all the patients that they looked at had a convergence insufficiency. And then they looked at who also had a diagnosis of ADHD. And what they found was about 10% also had ADHD that had the convergence insufficiency. So they reviewed all of their database for all the patients that were then diagnosed with ADHD. And of those, uh, they found that 16% of those had a convergence insufficiency, right? Because not all of these patients were identified at the, at the time of diagnosis, because this was a retrospective study. So they were kind of going back and looking at this. But basically, the conclusion of the study was that there was an apparent threefold greater risk of ADHD among patients with convergence insufficiency. Let me say that again. There's a threefold greater risk of ADHD among patients with a convergence insufficiency. That is a huge number. And this may simply just be an association versus a causation, right? Like a chicken and an egg type of situation. Like we don't know if one causes the other, if, or is it just that they happen the way that the person's brain works happens to have both of these comorbidity of these both diagnoses. We don't really know, but what we do know is there is a correlation between the two diagnoses and that's really important to highlight. Right, because they also found on the flip side that there's a threefold greater incidence of convergence insufficiency within the ADHD population. So these two clearly are very tied together, which was a huge outcome from this study. So, you know, as we're having this conversation, you know, sometimes from our perspective, when we're looking at a kid who has a lot of these symptoms where they're struggling in school and not paying attention and they're a little wiggly, sometimes, you know, we're trying to tease out if it's a visual issue versus ADHD, but Sometimes it could be both that are present. So I think it's just really important to drive home that in kids who have the diagnosis of ADHD is that much more important to have their visual system checked because they're at a higher risk of having a convergence issue. So this study did propose a few theories for this connection between convergence insufficiency and ADHD because the exact cause is not really known. So the first theory that the researchers proposed is that, that convergence insufficiency and ADHD are comorbid disorders. Um, one piece of this is that a common treatment of ADHD is medication, right? And those ADHD medications can often have side effects that include blurry vision and decrease in your focusing system, those muscles that help us keep print nice and clear when we look up close. So by being diagnosed with ADHD, being put on these medications, it can then induce these visual side effects and a visual disorder. So that's one theory. The second theory that they propose is ADHD could actually lead to an increase in your pupil distance, which can make your eyes have the tendency to want to turn out more than they should, which will make you show convergence insufficiency findings, which I thought was really interesting. I didn't know that, Dr. O. Yeah, me either. So some other potential correlations or connections between convergence insufficiency and ADHD is that they're, they were surmising that because of the loss of concentration, that could break 
down someone's visual system into exophoria, right? Like think about it. Like when you are spacing out or daydreaming, like your vision sometimes blurs, right? Your eyes kind of just like relax and drift out. So if they have that tendency to do that more frequently, maybe they just have a tendency to have that exophoria where those, those eyes just want to drift out all the time. Uh, also, the presence of convergence insufficiency could cause a misdiagnosis of ADHD, which because of their overlapping symptoms. And this is where we come in, right, Dr. L, where we're like, if you get a diagnosis or your child gets a diagnosis of ADHD, make sure you get an eye exam because it could be misdiagnosed. And if a child isn't responding to the treatment, the traditional treatment for ADHD, maybe this is more the underlying cause. And I really like to highlight this, that ADHD is a pervasive diagnosis. And what I mean by that is that this child has difficulty attending and has hyperactivity in every aspect of their life, not just in the classroom. And that's, that's like a big telltale sign. Like if a parent comes in and says to me, like, he get he just got diagnosed with ADHD, he can't concentrate in school. But like, when he's home with me, like, he could sit with me. And if he's interested in something at home, he could sit there for hours. And that's kind of like a bell that goes off in my head that says like, okay, maybe he's a kid that may have ADHD, but also has some underlying visual issues that we need to rule out, right, Dr. L? Because it's not, that doesn't make sense. Like you, I know as physicians, right, you know a true ADHD kid. Uh, they're really, it's very apparent uh, in the exam that they can't sit still. This episode is brought to you by Luminous. For over 50 years, Luminous has developed innovative gold standard devices for eye care, like the first SLT laser, the first argon laser photocoagulator, and the revolutionary dual path SLT and YAG laser. Luminous, the inventor of intense pulse light, or IPL, is proud to announce the first and only IPL system to receive FDA approval for management of dry eye disease and to launch OptiLite, a bright solution for dry eyes. OptiLite uses Luminous's patented optimal pulse technology to allow consistent, precise, and controlled treatment. If your patients suffer from dry, gritty, tired eyes, and dry eye disease due to meibomian gland dysfunction that is impacting their quality of life and their vision, OptiLite puts the power for treating dry eye disease in the palm of your hand. OptiLite breaks the dry vicious cycle of inflammation and delivers improvement in tear breakup time and other clinical signs of dry eye disease. To learn how you can elevate dry eye management with OptiLite, visit Luminous.com slash OptiLite. So now let's kind of go through uh, kind of some testing for both disorders and some management options. And then we're going to highlight some really cool studies that we found. So in terms of a convergence insufficiency, we have a lot of tools in our arsenal to assess your convergence ability and diagnose a convergence insufficiency. Uh, so for Dr. Z and I, our, we go through our typical vision therapy evaluation, which we've talked about on previous podcasts. We really are looking at your eye alignment and your eye posture, especially at near when we're talking about your convergence ability. Because really, whenever you're looking at anything computer distance and closer, your eyes should really be converging or pulling in equally so that your eyes are aligned at that point in space. So we're looking at, is there any under convergence in how your eyes tend to posture at near? We also are looking at your near point of convergence where we're bringing a target in on your midline in towards you and we're really watching how your eyes converge in. We're watching to see if you lose fusion at any point. If one eye starts to turn out and isn't pointing at the target anymore, that means you have reduced convergence. And we're also asking you when you see double when that target is coming in. So someone who has a convergence deficiency will see that target double 
fairly far away and have a hard time getting it back to one. Um, and then we also really look at what we call your virgins ranges, where we're looking at really the extent of your convergence. So we move prism in front of your eyes and we really see how far you can converge and keep a target single. And once you lose that fusion and you're seeing double, then we measure when you recover, when you can regain that single vision. Um, because some patients that have convergence insufficiency on quick testing may show somewhat normal findings, but that last one, the virgence range, really shows us that fatigue factor. Because some patients can converge a little bit for a short period of time, but then their visual system really starts to break down. And those are your kids who really have difficulty with that prolonged reading or prolonged near tasks where they things start to swim around, move around, which may then lead to difficulty with them finishing the reading task, difficulty remembering what they've read or attending to it. So now when it comes to ADHD, this is a little bit trickier, right? There's still no specific diagnostic test to test for ADHD. A lot of it is really based on symptomatology. Um, so really, it's typically a clinical diagnosis that is made just based on behavioral criteria. Um, there are some symptom surveys out there where if you score high enough, then you know that flags that you fall into the ADHD category. So this is really something that I think in the future, it would be really nice if they can continue to research to really look at, you know, exact causes of ADHD, what's really going on neurologically, and then maybe somehow develop more of a determinate test. Um, because I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of kids out there that fall into this diagnosis category just simply based on symptoms when there may be something more going on. Right. So now what is the management of both of these disorders? Right. We know convergence insufficiency, our favorite treatment modality is vision therapy. We highlighted this last week that, you know, we went through all of the different options, but vision therapy is by far the best way to treat convergence insufficiency. And that has been proven study after study. Uh, now, the management of ADHD, there are a lot of behavioral modification techniques and some long-term medications for these children if they're not responding to the behavioral modifications. You know, and they, they really have developed a lot of different medications for kids to try. I know I have one patient in particular that has tried a few different because they also come with some side effects to them. So we have to find the one that works best for the child. So now where does this link come in, right? Like if we're, we're managing both things, how does that, that work? And we found a, a really, a few really cool studies that showed that there has been an improvement in academic behaviors in our ADHD population following successful treatment of convergence insufficiency. So say that they have these both diagnoses, right? What this study is showing is that by you're, we're not going to eliminate the ADHD, but by helping the convergence insufficiency, a modifiable factor in all of this, they have better academic outcomes. And that's what we want for these children and adults is to be able to perform academically and professionally. So let's go through this study. Uh, this one was published in 2012. And basically, children who had convergence insufficiency had higher levels of what they call adverse school behaviors on this, this survey. That's a nice way of calling um, trouble in school, right? Adverse school behaviors. But children who, with the symptomatic convergence insufficiency who received treatment for convergence insufficiency showed an overall reduction in the frequency of those adverse behaviors. And parents' concerns associated with reading and schoolwork 
also went down, right? So this is showing that by treating that convergence as efficiency, the children did better in school and the and it also helped with the family dynamic and the concerns of the parent because that's also a piece to this puzzle as well. And I think that's so exciting to see that by treating the underlying convergence as efficiency, you know, not only are you improving the visual system, but what comes hand in hand with that is this improvement in you know, school performance and how the kids feel while they're doing a visual task. So there's one more study we want to highlight. This one got published in 2013, and this really looked at behavioral and emotional problems associated with convergence and sufficiency in children. So they really looked at behavioral and emotional characteristics of children who had been diagnosed with convergence insufficiency. They had these children fill out ADHD and behavioral surveys prior to starting a management plan. And then they enrolled these children that were symptomatic convergence insufficiency kids into 16 weeks of weekly in-office vision therapy sessions and then prescribed home maintenance therapy. After the home therapy was completed, the parents then repeated those two surveys that they did initially, and they found that these children that were treated for their convergence insufficiency showed a significant improvement in those surveys. They really showed behavioral improvements in terms of how anxious they were, how depressed they were, in terms of how they handled problems. And this study really showed that attention and internalizing problems improved significantly following the treatment for convergence insufficiency. You know, and I really loved this study because it highlights the emotional impact of struggling in school. And I think that sometimes gets missed, but we've seen these kids at five, six, seven with these academic demands, if they're not able to perform, they really struggle and they they have a lower self-worth and they just don't handle things as well. Mental health is such a hot topic, right? Anxiety and stress is so prevalent these days and it's getting earlier and earlier in our, our kids. And knowing that there's this study that shows that if we, we can do a simple 16 weeks of office therapy, that's four months. If you could set your kid up for success in four to six months with, you know, if, if it, they do have this underlying diagnosis, that's really incredible to, and to give them the tools to feel confident in themselves and inside the classroom. And that's really, really important. Right. I think that's a really important point. And when you think of these kids that have been diagnosed with ADHD, you know, often we see them being treated with medication. And like I, I spoke to before, medications have side effects. You know, of course, they have their place in a treatment plan for a disorder. Um, but Dr. Z and I always love to prescribe medication very judiciously. And if there's something else going on and something as simple as a vision therapy program can be done and, and has been found in studies to really help benefit this emotional and academic performance piece, I think that's really, really amazing. Yeah. So what is the big take home? I think two big things, right? One, that there is a threefold higher risk of a convergence insufficiency in the ADHD population, as well as the flip side, right? If you have a convergence insufficiency, there is also a three times higher risk of developing or having ADHD. So that leads to the second big point. If your child has been diagnosed with ADHD, please get them evaluated by an optometrist that specializes in binocular vision and behavioral vision to really identify if your child has any underlying visual dysfunction such as convergence insufficiency. Okay, so we hope you guys learned all about convergence insufficiency along with ADHD, and we will talk to you next week. 
Thanks for listening. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020, and follow us on Instagram. For additional content, check out our practice, Twin Forks Optometry, on both Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.